Hi guys and welcome back to Quadrant Podcast. I'm Floyd, your host for the next 20 minutes or so, and we have got a really action-packed podcast for you today. Before we start, make sure you catch up on last week's episode with Cumbria Action for Sustainability. But for now, let me introduce you to Ulrika Macariello, uh, Development Director at Hasto. Um, Ulrika has been leading the charge over the last couple of years to develop their new build standard pushing the industry to change the way they build smart, affordable houses. Welcome, Ulrika. How are you today? Hi, Floyd. I'm really well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. And I, I hope I pronounced your name correctly. <laughs> well, nearly. Quite good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Apologies for that. <laughs> well, glad to hear you're OK. Um, so just to kick us off, uh, could you tell our listeners uh, what HESO Group does and what are the main objectives of the uh, new build standards? Yeah, of course, uh, more than happy to do that. So Hasto Housing Association, as it says on the tin, we are a housing association. Um, so we are registered social landlord and we're sort of medium sized. And um, one of our specialisms is that we are a rural housing provider. So we do a lot of work with rural communities. Um, we also uh, specialize in sustainability. So Hasto, we've really, addressed for a long time um, uh, the need that we need to deliver our properties and uh, legal properties to a really good standard. Um, really at the heart of all of this is uh, our residents. Um, we know that in, in rural areas, fuel poverty is much more prevalent. Um, so it's really important that we can provide um, housing that's not only affordable from like um, a rental uh, perspective, but also affordable for the people to have a comfortable living that they can afford to live comfortably in their homes. Um, that's not always a given. Um, and that's really the underlying desire of us to uh, provide some really you know, good and high quality uh, homes. 10 years ago, we've, um, um, delivered our first passive house home uh, and passive house if uh, your listeners don't know what that is it's sort of the the gold standard of, en of energy efficiency um, so you, the end user can benefit of around you know 90 90 percent reduction in their heating and hot water bills so it's quite quite a lot so for example our first rural passive house scheme we did uh, at Wimbish in, in Essex a three bedroom house on average, their heating costs or their gas bills for a year is 130 pounds. Um, and that's just fantastic. That makes living um, for them really affordable. But at the same time, we also know that um, climate change is, is something that's really, really important. It's really at top of the agenda. So we know we have to address it from, from that perspective as well. That's sort of the background in, in very brief terms, uh, why we've uh, decided to develop um, our own new build standard. Um, the new build standard covers eight categories. So energy efficiency is the first. What's really important for us is not just to look at carbon reduction 
Um, net zero carbon is, you know, obviously everybody's talking about that and the, and the government's uh, target to um, have a, you know, net zero carbon um, standard by 2050. We think it's really important that we actually reduce the energy demand. Um, you can achieve net zero carbon by decarbonizing, switching to electricity and decarbonizing the grid. That's one way. But the question is, if we switch all the heating and all our cars to electric, will there be sufficient decarbonized energy available to actually power that? So our view is that if we reduce the energy demand, that must help to actually get us on a realistic route to net zero carbon. Also, if we don't reduce the energy demand, the houses may just be much more expensive than what we're used to at the moment, uh, because at the moment we're paying a lot of houses up are powered and heated through gas. Uh, and we all know that gas is cheaper than electricity. So if we all switch into electricity at the same cost, we will all pay more. And that means homes are no longer affordable to heat. So that, that was our approach. We, we, and that's kind of based on the passive house model that we are really improving uh, the energy efficiency of our homes through really good level of insulation, um, uh, very well performing windows and doors, uh, good air tightness levels. We look at ventilation as well so that we make sure that the homes are comfortable. We're looking at uh, reducing the thermal bridging. Um, and all of that means that we can reduce the energy demand of our you know, new built homes following some advice from a sustainability uh, assessor. We're switching away from fossil fuels now. So we're moving all of our homes to air source heat pumps. Um, we've got quite a lot of experience delivering air source heat pumps because uh, a lot of the rural areas where we're building new homes are uh, not on the gas grid. So we've done quite a lot of air source heat pumps over recent years. But we've taken the decision that we're 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 making the switch now, so well well in advance of the of the government's um, requirements. We then go on to uh, set out that our uh, we want to make sure that our homes um, are sort of future proofed. In, and we do that in several ways. Um, so one of the aspects that we look at is how accessible and adaptable the properties are. It's really important, uh, especially in rural areas, because affordable housing, there isn't that much around in villages. Quite often, our schemes are the only one a, a village will ever build. Um, so they haven't got if that if if our residents needs change in the future, they can't just go and move somewhere else because it's unlikely that something will be available. So we need to make sure that our homes can be adapted in the future and also that they they you know are accessible now. 
Yeah, yeah, sure. And, and and that's a really good overview as well of like the main things people would expect from a new house. And obviously this new standard goes that step further because it's got kind of like net zero in mind. It's got sustainability in mind, but it's also got the future in mind. If any anything else comes along, it's kind of innovative. We can kind of add that onto these buildings, but then also like planting like trees and bushes that are native to that area. It's kind of like the the icing on the cake, isn't it, with it all? Because uh, it's those finishing touches that will make it go a long way. Because a lot of existing social housing in the UK like isn't that great. So if we can improve the standards of social housing, we could also improve the standards of wider housing. Like on top of that, because like you say, you, you're focusing in a lot of rural areas and some villages won't have social housing in. So if people can see that the social housing has all these kind of like futuristic features, then people might be willing to invest in kind of like solar panels for their own houses, things like that. So you can kind of pave the way for the way houses in the UK are, can't you? Yeah, I think so. I think uh in in many respects the the social housing sector has always sort of paved the way um and and kind of demonstrated that you can go beyond and you can go that little bit further and i think as you said it's it's really important to showcase that um i mean we work also we work really closely with local communities um i'm not saying that everybody's always enamored about our proposals you know there is always some objections especially you know the people who are most affected and, and living nearby but what we normally see once our projects have actually been built um, they are very very well received in in the local community and we make sure that we stay in touch with the parish council that they have an input uh, into the into the uh, scheme um, development um, and and we are we also we're really flexible the way we can work with with communities. So some communities want to have a lot of input. For example, we're working with quite a lot of community land trusts um, who who sort of drive forward affordable housing. And they are quite often, um, you know, quite heavily engaged because they that it's clearly something the community is supporting. So. Definitely, we can we can set an example in the social housing sector, and I think it's also um, if we have really high quality schemes, it kind of just shows that social housing um, is something that's really positive, uh, because nobody knows what's around the corner, and who knows who will need affordable housing, social housing in the future. Moving on slightly, kind of in the in the industry, there's kind of a debate around whether it's best to make existing affordable housing more sustainable or whether like building new houses with sustainability in mind is the best way to achieve net zero faster. Kind of I see both sides because like on the one side, construction from scratch, um, you know, it can generate a lot of emissions. So fitting houses with sustainable technologies could be kind of better in the short term. But on the other hand, like building with sustainability in mind can help you get two steps ahead with the net zero uh, like issues. And obviously like you can generate quite a lot of carbon savings quite quickly with a kind of a fully sustainable house, if you like. Kind of what what's your opinion on it? Like what's the housing associations weigh in on, on the matter? So obviously we have got existing stock and um, 
it's it's definitely something where where we need to think about uh, very carefully how we are going to address that because yeah there is no doubt in my mind we do as a nation um, as a housing association we need to think about our existing stock what what's the best way to address this I think we need to be really careful that we're doing that in a in a really well considered way and that works for the resident as I sort of addressed earlier just switching over to electric or just you know retrofitting air source heat pumps in like houses that aren't actually designed to with that heating technology in mind uh, could just have as an effect that that then the homes become unaffordable to heat. So we have to, it may, it may decarbonize, but I think we need to be really careful that we're doing it in a, in a well-considered and worked out way. I also think that there will need to be some funding from the government because housing associations most definitely don't have uh, the funds available to, to, to retrofit all the existing stock. Uh, and also which stock is best placed to get the retrofitting done, sort of which 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 year groups. I think there is there's quite a lot of research happening at the moment on that. So you know we need to see what what that what the outcome of that is. But I think at the same time we do develop new build housing because we know we have a housing shortage. So we can't just rely on the existing stock. Uh, there is a housing shortage. There is a big, of dem big demand. But I think, and and that's kind of our drive is we know we kind of we know the route map to 2050. We definitely know know the route map to 2025. The government has clearly set out in their um, <clears throat> consultation response to the future home standard what their anticipated, you know, future building regulations will be and the requirement. And um, I, I kind of, for us, the decision is that we don't want to build houses now that we then have to retrofit in five years time. So we're kind of taking the leap and saying like, okay, really with the standard that we've developed now, we're pretty much meeting the future home standard, unless that obviously changes uh, by quite a lot. But on the information that we've got now, that we've currently got, uh, and I know there will be, you know, further consultation and we probably have to adjust it. But that kind of future proofs our houses that we're building from now on forward and make sure that we don't have to, you know, make future investments in retrofitting those homes. And that's really important to us. And because we've got that long term investment, um, it, it makes sense to us. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, I think we're on the same page with that because you're kind of uh, killing two birds with one stone, really. You you provide you're helping with the housing shortage by providing housing, but you've also taken that leap and providing ha housing that's fit for the future, because it's um it it could just be as easier for you guys to build standard homes probably faster and more of them, but then when it comes to pushing closer towards 2050. And these houses aren't kind of fit for purpose you've kind of taken two steps back whereas if you plan for the future um that, that's much better for everybody across all different sectors
of moving forward to kind of the the final point uh, that I had, and you alluded on it um, slightly earlier on, is that um, Hasto is also kind of developing a design guidance that accompanies the new build standard. Uh, speaking uh, before, this kind of aims to give a clear direction for architects and other consultants on projects to go off. I think this is like a really, really good way of helping deliver a new standard because like many white papers in the past um, and many like people, you know, talking publicly have explained that the industry needs to do things better, but never kind of provides a direction. Is this something that you guys were determined to provide and was kind of in the back of your minds whilst developing this? Yeah, I think it was it was really important. So we had um, we had we had some design principles and uh, as part of our employers' requirements in the past, but we, we didn't have a standalone document. So I think that quite often then led led to you know uh, either either elements were lock, were missed or it wasn't very clear. So we wanted to just make sure that we kind of take out and make sure that the really important things um, for us in with regard to design um is sort of in one document so it's really easy to understand we also make sure it's it's not too we're not over complicating it and we've really tailored it to sort of our rural projects what what's really important to us uh, so hopefully it will be you know it should be very very clear uh to um to our consultants we also give some example house to example um layouts so we don't have standard house types these are just examples these are kind of examples that set out that you can have a um, a house that complies with uh, ndss the national described space standards and that meets uh, part m uh, the accessibility and adaptability requirements at a specific you know um space as uh, space standard so it, it just gives some guidance to to our designers but there is also room for flexibility because you know we build sometimes in areas of um you know um national parks or areas of natural outstanding beauty so sometimes we may need to have a slightly different approach and that's fine we need to you know obviously make sure that <clears throat> developments consider the local vernacular and really fit into the uh, to, to the environment but that's kind of where the um where the sort of the the checklist or the the sign off process comes in so if you do need to deviate we just need to justify that and then we can also pass that on to the uh contractor when we when we actually progress so that there's a very clear um trail of uh the thinking behind the design and how it has evolved and that should give more certainty to the contractor as well and much more consistency between our specification and the um and the employer's requirements and the actual planning drawings so uh, the whole process should be much more streamlined and there should be more clarity thanks for that Ulrika. a very interesting conversation there but unfortunately that's all all we've got time for this week on quadrant podcast but as always, uh, uh, you can tweet me with your thoughts on the conversation um, at Floyd March and at Quadrant Group. And make sure to follow our Twitter and LinkedIn pages to keep up to date with all the latest technology and sustainability news. Until next time, it's uh, goodbye from me and uh, thanks again, Enrica. Thanks, Floyd.